Amen. I would uh, have you guys join me in Mark chapter 2. Like last week, this is not necessarily the primary text. It's uh, a pretext, but it connects perfectly with the primary text this morning. Continuing with the theme of marked, called by the Savior. This is part two. As a subtitle, I chose qualified by Jesus. Qualified by Jesus. Mark chapter 2, starting at the 10th verse, and it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Really, the first, this story reveals a very simple yet profound biblical truth concerning Jesus. And I refrain from reading the entire first 12 verses um, uh, for sake of time here, but the truth is revealed in the first 12 verses of this chapter when men carried a paralyzed friend to the house where Jesus was preaching, and when they couldn't get to Jesus because the house was overcrowded, They climbed atop the building and lowered him down to Jesus through the roof, from the roof. Uh, I don't know how many months ago it was, but uh, I pointed out that these four friends, man, you couldn't ask for better friends. They carried the guy there on his mat. You know how heavy dead weight is and everything. But they weren't the only ones that were diligent and full of faith and doing everything they could to get their friend there. I pointed out how much Hope and faith and diligence was required also for the one who was on the mat. Because he wanted badly to encounter Jesus. He just needed someone to help him get there. But Jesus' first words to the man were, Son, your sins are forgiven. And this caused the scribes who were present to question in their hearts why he would say something they considered blasphemous. Because only God can forgive sins as far as what they understood. So the truth I'm referring to gets revealed by Jesus at this time. And that's when he says in verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. See, we observe a miracle. A paralyzed man is given the ability to walk again. A physical miracle has occurred. But the simple and profound truth is Jesus just didn't heal him 
for the sake of healing him. There was a purpose in it, and he gives a voice to this simple but profound truth that he chose to reveal to the world at this time. The world did not know it at this time, but he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, pick up your bat, and walk. So he's unveiling a new facet of his authority. They heard him speak, they heard him preach the scriptures with authority. They seen him turn water to wine. They seen him heal. Maybe not this miraculous of a healing, but how many, sometimes, man, in our pursuit and our desire to want to see amazing miracles manifest, we sometimes do an injustice to the greatest miracle of all. The salvation of the Lord. The greatest, you know, we, we, we take, sometimes we undersell or, 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 or don't play enough regard to the authority of Jesus to forgive. And there are people walking in condemnation who have never heard an affirming word in their lives. They don't see much value in themselves. They, they have a profession that people look down upon them because of. They despise them and reject them. Religious people may look at them and, and, and representing God tell them that God would have nothing to do with them. And Jesus, I don't know what this man's history was, but apparently this man had a sinful life. They didn't bring him there necessarily for forgiveness, I don't think. They brought him there so that he can go from being paralyzed, a cripple, to being whole. And the first thing Jesus said to him was, your sins are forgiven. The man didn't have a problem. It was the scribes there that had the problem. And Jesus addressed them. He, I'm doing it this way so that you may know I have the authority on the earth to forgive sins. So we need to keep this freshly revealed truth in mind as we walk through today's uh, primary scripture, which is a continuation of that passage. So at verse 13, it says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, also known as Matthew, but here he's called Levi, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So after establishing his authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus moves on from there and spots Levi working at a tax booth, collecting taxes for the Roman government. Now, tax collectors were despised 
within the Jewish community. They were considered traitors. In fact, they were thought so lowly of that they were considered in the same group as unrepentant sinners. You often saw phrases, tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> I mean, imagine what it feels to be labeled like that because of your job. Right? Tax collectors and sinners. Unrepentant sinners. Despite all that, Jesus walks right up to the tax booth, looks into the eyes of this government worker named Levi, and says to him, follow me, out in the open. And it says here that Levi rose up and followed Jesus. And I want to point out, Jesus did not call a despised tax collector to follow him just because. He didn't do it just on a whim. He did it for the same reason he healed the paralyzed man, I believe. He just, in that house full of people, said to the paralyzed man who was brought to be healed, son, your sins are forgiven. And when he knew that it caused a stir in the hearts of the, of the uh, scribes, he said, His purpose for doing it. So that you may know I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. And he goes immediately from that. Goes to among the most hated individuals and picks a disciple. People who are lumped in with unrepentant sinners. You can't be worse than a tax collector. And he goes and calls a disciple out of that group because he wants the world to know that he has the authority to forgive sins. And he can qualify anybody for service of the Lord. Are you hearing me today? So he did it so that we may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to continue on. Verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, he called the sinners, the very ones that need forgiveness, the ones that know they need forgiveness. But with the attitude of the Pharisees, they didn't think forgiveness was a doable thing. Yet Jesus comes and lets them know, God still loves you. I want you to know, I'm here as a representative of God the Father. I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive. And there is a world full of people out there 
that need to know that they are forgiven. That the forgiveness is available to them. Are you hearing that? I needed to know that forgiveness was available to me. That I could be forgiven for the things I did, the things I said, the people I hurt, the deeds I had done. And God needed to do a work in my heart to let me know that not only was I forgiven, he had washed me whiter than snow. I was cleansed from the stain of it. And when I did not think myself, I didn't think it was possible for me to be qualified for the service of the Lord, the Lord ministered to my heart and let me know that he had qualified me. Because only he can. There were those that had their doubts, but God marked me. There were those that knew my past, but God marked me. He chose me. He forgave me. There were some that didn't, but he forgave me. He did it openly, publicly, just like with Levi. He revealed to me that he had the authority to forgive my sins and to transform my life and that there was a God-given purpose and plan for my life. And that is true for everyone. I think it's no surprise, should be no surprise that as they're at what I believe is Levi's house and the reclining at table in his house, that there are many other tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him that message resonated they needed to know see it's amazing when when it's not treated like it's this club that you've got to you know go through a lot of hoops and qualify to get into when 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 Jesus makes it obvious that this invitation goes out to everyone. And the one who calls you qualifies you, no matter what your history is. So I want to I point that out. And once that became a thing, there were other test collectors that wanted in on it. And their fellow friends, the sinners, they're not test collectors, but they're in the same boat. They're there too. And many of them became followers of Jesus. You know, it's amazing. You don't really need a profound message. You don't need a, a great orator. You know, a great miracle occurred in the house that led people to follow Jesus, but there was no great miracle in this scene when he approaches Levi. He just goes up to Levi and says, follow me. And just like he did last week when I told y'all, he approached these fishermen while they were on the job. They were mid-shift. Interrupted them where they were at and said, come follow me. He does the same thing in the tax booth for Levi. He's collecting taxes for the Roman government. He comes up, he's like, follow me. And it's amazing these guys continue. They just rise up and they follow him. They're definite 
about walking with the Lord. And I told you last week, it doesn't mean that you should walk off your job in order to follow Jesus. You better, before you do that, you better make sure God is leading you into doing that because that could be a whole lot of hurt for you. And I don't want you to say, Pastor said, if I'm serious about following Jesus, I just need to get up and walk away from my job. I'm not telling you that. But, but I'm telling you to prioritize walking with Jesus. Be his disciple. Be his pupil. Be committed to walking in the way of the Lord wherever it is he has you. You can still keep that job, but be a disciple of Jesus on that job. You can still go to that school, but be a disciple of Jesus at that school. You can still do what it is you do uh, to, to make a living for your family and so and whatnot. But you, but you need to be a disciple of Jesus as you go about doing it. Whether you're a fisherman, or t- you can even work for the government and follow Jesus. Can you imagine that? We're, ta- <laughs> We're talking about a government worker here. Jesus actually called a government worker to be a disciple. So be careful when we talk about the government. Well, the government is made up of people who work in it. Right? The people are doing the job. They're not the evil government. They are people in need of a savior, just like we all are. Right? And so our hearts need not be hard towards someone because they work for the boogeyman government. We're not. Jesus has a name that's above every name. His name is even above government. Right? He has authority over it all. We don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to overly focus on it. We just stay, need to stay on mission. We need to stay on brand. We need to continue to walk as he has marked us to walk. He is telling us the same thing he told Levi when he came to him at his booth. Come, follow me. People need to know You know, it's good that we forgive people, but they need to know that they can be forgiven to the utmost by Jesus. That that there is one who can forgive them and wipe the slate clean. There is one and only one who can make you right with God. There is only one that can make your name, put your name in the Lamb's book of heaven. And that is Jesus. The only one by which we can be saved. And we see here that it doesn't take more than that for people to respond in faith. This gospel is good news. It's exactly what it said, (laughs) what it means. It's good news. And people will respond to good news if that's what we are identified as being, good news givers, good news dispensers. So... It's important I believe it's important that's why I tied them together it's important to see not only the what but the why that motivated Jesus and I keep repeating it he wanted them to know him not just as this miracle worker but I'm here authority of the Father, 
and by the power invested under me, I forgive you of your sins. And I'm going to go to the cross for you. Those sins are going to be nailed on the cross with me. Then I'm going to go on to the Father and I'm going to intercede for you day and night. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the promise of the Father in my place, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you and guide you into all truth. Who will empower you to be an effective witness for me and witness and minister to the world. This tells me that Jesus does not discriminate. Along any lines. This is not, this is less about racial lines here. This is people judge, being judged by their lifestyle, their history. They had a job to do and they were considered traitors. And because of that, the Pharisees would not even be caught talking to them or eating with them. It was okay to ostracize them. People decided on their, based on their own standards, it's okay. God's done with those people. And I just want to challenge you, church, that's not, that's not our job. That's not for us to do, to say who's done, who God doesn't want to have anything to do with. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen God do amazing things in the lives of people who are horrible people. How many of you love Paul, the Apostle Paul? Hmm. Apostle Paul was not a good dude. I'm sure, well, he thought that he was on the right side. He thought zealously that he was representing God, but he aided and abetted and participated in murderous activities, killing people for having faith in Christ. And if he didn't do the deed, he was holding the coats of those who did. He sent the orders. He made sure he hunted people down. He made sure that people were found so that they could face justice. And Jesus interrupted all of that and changed his life and turned him into the Apostle Paul that we all know and love and admire so much. But he was a terror. When God told Ananias that he, that, that, that he was sending Paul his way, Ananias was like, oh, you sure? He's going to spend time with you because I got... I got to work for him. I got a call in his life, but I want him to spend time with you. He's like, do you know what he's done to us? And we loved King David slaying the, the bear and the lion and, and, and slaying Goliath and faith and everything, but that man was an adulterer. He was a deceiver. He was a murderer. And yet he still became a man after God's own heart. So I wouldn't be too quick to write people off 
on behalf of God. Because there is no sin that's too low for God's grace. There's nothing that's been done that's beyond his mercy and beyond his ability to save. So how about we being marked by him and called to come and follow him. Follow him being his student, his pupil, his apprentice, his disciple. And the scripture says that it's enough for the student to be like his master. That once he is fully matured, he's going to be like his master. And, and, and why am I saying this? I'm saying this because as his children, as his sons and daughters, as his disciples, we have to mature to where we are being like him. I'm almost done. Can we get to the point to where we are a reflection of him? That we can see people and maybe we have an initial, I don't know about that person, thought. But we're mature enough to be willing to engage that person as the spirit leads. Right? That person, I don't know, was, there's, a, there's a cloud. It's like pig pen. Charlie Brown. It's like pig pen. There's a cloud over this person. I don't know what that means. And they could bite my head off if I approached them. But you know what? It's worth it. The potential reward is worth the risk. Because of what Jesus did for me when he looked beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him, that joy being you and I, he pushed through the shame and pain, degradation of the cross for what it would produce. My challenge to us is that we do the same for him. Love him back in that way. That, you know what, that person, I don't know. They're in all black. It's kind of a goth thing going on over there. I don't know. They could have been doing some devil worship or something last night. I don't know. You know, working through all that stuff, just being willing, because that's a person that Jesus died and rose again to save. And if that person, if they did do devil worship, that means they need to be delivered and freed from him. Right? And so let's just, let's make sure that we grow in the knowledge of him and in our capacity to represent him well in the earth. Because Jesus wants the world to know, an unsaved world to know, a a world full of tax collectors and sinners, a world full of government workers and all other kind of workers that don't know Jesus, that he has the authority to forgive and redeem them to the utmost. And we are the ones through which that message must be delivered. So his invitation to follow him extends to everyone, regardless of your background or your present situation. I want you to know he qualified you when he chose you.
So if you're sitting there this morning and questioning whether you're qualified to be his disciple, whether you're qualified to be his ambassador, let me solve that for you. You're qualified. Just like fishermen who had, you know, fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, John, sons of Zebedee, those guys weren't learned men. They were fishermen. But Jesus called them and he qualified them as his disciples. Levi, tax collector, resented, looked down upon, despised, yet Jesus called him and he qualified him. Paul, persecutor, murderer, didn't matter what his intentions were, what mattered was the result. Yet Jesus called him, qualified him. He called you too. And the one who called you has qualified you. Even if you used to work for the government. Even if you still work for the government. Any government workers here? No, you don't have to talk. I'll, I'll finish with one last passage in 1 Timothy 1. It comes from this very Paul that I was referring to, and he's talking to a man he's mentored in the ministry. And he says in verse 12, I'll read verses 12 through 17. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful. Listen to this. For he's given his testimony. He judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly. Say, though formerly. See, he, now you're going to say, he judged me faithful. He appointed me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy. Say mercy. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, he says. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. See, he did a lot of things. He performed a lot of miracles. He fed the thousands based on uh, a little boy's lunch, <laughs> fishes and loaves. Right? When time came to pay the taxes, he told Peter to go get a fish out of the, out of the sea, and the fish had enough money in its mouth to pay for the taxes. When the storms threatened their lives, when they were on the, on the sea, he made the sea still. When they ran out of wine at a wedding, he turned water into wine. He did over, he, he even raised the dead when Lazarus was dead four days in the tomb. All of that's amazing. And all of that, Jesus still works in miraculous ways today. But let's not lose sight of the fact of why he came. 
All of that is to point everyone to one inarguable truth. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says of himself, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul uses that testimony to great effect here. I was the chiefest of sinners. I was among the worst of the worst, and yet the mercy of God was extended to me. And he's telling He's telling Timothy that uh, Jesus, why Jesus came to save sinners, that he received mercy for the reason that in him, the foremost sinner, Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to us all. Really, Paul puts himself even lower than the tax collectors in the way he presents this message here. I'm worse than all the tax collectors and sinners. And yet God granted him mercy. So in, in closing, I would just say to you all here, you know, we started off talking about uh, the DNA that we have in Christ, why it is we do all the things that we do, you know, that we have been born again and we carry the DNA of Christ. And that we ought to reflect that. And now we're talking about you've been marked by him as his disciple to follow him, follow his example. And so to, and today, as the subtitle says, qualified by Jesus, I want you to know nothing disqualifies you from RSVPing Jesus' invitation to follow him. Right? There, there, there's no fine print. <laughs> there's no other thing. All it takes is for you to RSVP. He's calling. All you got to do is respond. Nothing disqualifies you. Not your past or your present. Not your woundedness or your messed up life. Not even the family you came from. Not the family, not the home, or the environment from which you came. None of it disqualifies you. Jesus said of himself, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So if you're here today and you either are or were a sinner, 
then you have a qualifying invitation from Jesus to follow him. You've been pre-qualifying to follow him. If he's called you, he's qualified you. And I want to encourage you to RSVP. Respond. He's come to you directly. He's not ashamed of your past. He's not ashamed of your history. He's not, a, he's not ashamed of your situation. His love supersedes all that. So if he's not ashamed of you, don't let your own shame prevent you from responding to him in faith and obedience. Last week, all four of those men got up immediately, followed Jesus. Today, a different man, different profession, different walk of life, in a different place. Even on a lower realm of society than the fishermen that were called before. But when Jesus called him, he stood up. He RSVP'd. I'm going to ask you to stand. and ask the elders to come up again. This is a time. It doesn't have to be long.